humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Ty Gauls Rowe, and with me from Uppercut is no one else. Uh, instead, we have two very rad and special guests. Uh, the first is Dawn from Optional... Uh, fuck. Was it Don from Optional Objectives? That's just your at. Um, <laughs> Don from Gamers with Glasses is here. Hello, Don. Hi, Ty. How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's uh, it's still a good Saturday morning over here. <laughs> oh, it's still morning for you. Just barely. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, also joining me for today's lovely little chat is uh, Caroline from Popular Mechanics. How's it going? Hi, it's gone pretty good. It's definitely not morning still here, so I'm a little envious of that. <laughs> yeah, it is. We are firmly in afternoon territory, but it's fine. You know, it's a Saturday. But so I have gathered these special guests here today because uh, over the past few, I don't know, like months ish, we've kind of in the uppercut Discord been chatting about um, the the trend of video games lately that have been kind of like bartending slash like barista-ing and so those include you know games like red strings club like valhalla um like coffee talk um and then don also uh has brought up a smaller one uh tavern for tea which is also kind of a same premise but a little bit a uh, smaller scope um and so we just kind of want to discuss like the trends of these games you know kind of gaining popularity and then you know discussing mechanically how they kind of interact with their drink making mechanics and such and just you know kind of having a good old good old chat um so i guess do we want to start with talking about the actual like bar mechanics of these games that makes sense to me it might we might want to run through what the games are that we're talking about and kind of what sets <laughs> each of them apart, maybe? Yeah, that's a good call. Um, For people who so, haven't played them all, like us. <laughs> yeah, so... So, the, like, Red Strings, Coffee Talk, and Valhalla are simultaneously all pretty different, but also very similar. Um, they all center around these kind of, like, futuristic futures futuristic futures um they're just they're set in the future um and like coffee talk is more of a like what if a fantasy was set in a more like modern times or a little bit of a futuristic setting um and then red strings club is a like cyberpunk thriller type game where that focuses on a bar called the red strings club uh, as kind of like a place for one of the main characters to gather intel. Um, and then Valhalla is also a cyberpunk future bartender game where you use drinks to manipulate people's like responses and emotions. Um, and there's a lot going on with that that I'm sure we'll unpack. Um, Don, do you want to talk about Time of Routine? Sure. It, it's a more fantasy setting uh quick about roughly 20 minutes to play uh game 
that features a tea maker, a shop where everyone who comes in has to abide by a general be nice rule. You're just here for tea and each other's company. And then uh, that kind of story where the dungeon crawling hero and the villainous layer overlord had to sit down over tea and maybe get together depending on what the tea master can figure out to serve them yeah it's fun it's a very cute little game it's really yeah it's a really charming one and uh i think it takes a lot of ideas from uh some of these other games particularly coffee talk on board and just gives it you know just enough time to to get that story out there it's 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 a really fun time it has really charming art too i have to say all these games have really nice art yes i agree that's actually one of the few positives towards valhalla is it does look (laughs) very nice yeah it's um i started to replay it again in advance of this recording and i couldn't make myself get back into the tedious bartending part um, but I was just looking at the beautiful art and just feeling sad that I didn't want to play it more. <laughs> I, I think the aesthetics of it carry it a long way and, you know, probably do more to have a, a fun and interesting cyberpunk experience than the writing uh, does. Unfortunately, though, like the rest of these, it's kind of visual novel, but with, you know, dialogue more replaced by those bartending mechanics. So since the writing can have some dubious and dodgy qualities, and so can that bartending, uh, it's, yeah, the the game parts just don't quite go as well as, as the sound, music, and, uh, and art. Yeah, it's like, um, there's a term about historical movies that are, like, really beautiful looking, but aren't very good that we call them empty dress movies and i think mm-hmm. valhalla is sort of an empty dress future game like it's so nice looking and the music is good and yeah and then the mechanics just don't don't hold up but i think um you can't look at coffee talk or um red strings club without thinking about valhalla so we still have to kind of grapple with it even if it's the least good game out of the group here yeah it did come first yeah and i think like i think that's the reason like a lot of people are like pretty enamored with it is it did kind of start this trend of games that are kind of in this style um and i think like it's a like clearly since people keep doing it it's a very enjoyable like fun formula and i think you can do a lot of interesting things with it but yeah it's not good (laughs) (laughs) I I think it has some ambitious ideas about storytelling maybe behind it in terms and and those carry over to the other games in the genre, right? There's definitely some appeal to telling a story from a like single location roughly um or at least a main primary location in the case of Valhalla and, and Red Strings perspective. Um there's some cool limitations that come with that in terms of just being like a point where other characters stories are playing out away from the bar or coffee shop or tea tavern 
and then they bring just pieces of those stories into like your awareness as as the bartender and i think that has a lot of appeal and a lot of potential to it um as a narrative device but then the challenge is to actually have those stories and characters unfold in in interesting ways yeah i think um the coffee shop au is what we call it in fan fiction yeah um, hell yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh <laughs> it's easy to see why that trope is so popular and why it's so fun um i was just thinking about in the novella this is how you lose the time war um there's the two main characters red and blue and um the author I believe she actually bought these prints that someone had made fan art of each of their barista versions, like the coffee shop where the other would go to each other to, to meet. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, like, this is really a transcendent moment when the author of the book is buying fan art of a fanfic. <laughs> yes. <very> good. <laughs> it's 2021. That's happening. I love that. I love that, especially because, like, I know I've seen a lot of, like, authors and, like, TV writers talk about the fact that they usually can't, like, read fan fiction because there's, like, a lot of legal stuff that could come up with that for them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, like, if an author, like, says they read fan, like, they read a specific fan fiction or whatever, and then, like, you know, let's say they wrote, like, the next book or whatever in advance, but they happen to have, like, a similar idea, like, people can, like you know, start throwing around accusations and shit, I guess. Right. Prior wow, art. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen a lot of, like, uh, like authors and stuff on Twitter be like, we love that you write fan fiction, but we cannot read it. <laughs> what, what a weird way to sort of have forced exclusion from your own conversation, right? People are talking about your art, and you're like, this is great. Thank you so much for talking about it. I legally can't participate in a conversation that you're having about my own work um and there's also like um there's author i was just thinking about travis McElroy, um who gets accused of reading the reddit a lot about stuff that he is doing and um <laughs> you read your a, own reddit oh right God. i mean <laughs> It it's like self indulgent, but also glutton for punishment at the same time. Somehow, like I don't. <laughs> well, especially see what for him because he's putting his me. foot in his fucking mouth every other week. Right, and I I see how, especially if you don't have a firm commitment to like an idea in your mind, getting that kind of stuff in there would be really distracting and would make it really hard to filter your thoughts. And that's already very hard to do. Yeah, That's well, and especially there, like, I've seen some who were saying, like, to flat out, like, you know, obviously, like, it's not necessarily surprising that, like, an audience member might have, like, a similar idea for where the arc is gonna go. So, like, if they do posit something that, like, the writer or the whatever has, like, already done, like, there's no way for, like, the audience to know what was coming, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it just gets very murky, I guess. Yes. All right, we've wandered off into the weeds. <laughs> well, it, we have. but but we weeds have. that relate to the in you know the the 
web of inspiration in between each of these games, right? Uh, they all do have some similar ideas, definitely in terms of setting and gameplay and that kind of thing. Um, and at least the games following Valhalla are all in that kind of conversation with one another. Yeah, I think um, between Coffee Talk and Red Strings Club, I feel like Red Strings Club is more directly descended from Valhalla. That's my feeling. I think because Coffee Talk has the fantasy element that kind of puts it off into its own little thing a little bit more. My thought is that, like, like setting-wise, I think, yeah, like, Red Strings is more directly descended, but I feel like in the, like, overall vibe and, like, I'm not going to say the quality of writing, but maybe, like, writing that probably could have used a little bit more depth. Um, I think Coffee Talk is closer. Um, this is not me trying to dunk on Coffee Talk. Um, it just, I think, no, I has... Said, right, yeah. I get what you're, I get what you're saying. It is, like, um, <laughs> a lot is being told in shorthand in Coffee Talk, and that yeah. has caused a couple of grumbles from some folks that have very valid takes. But it also just is, like, makes it a little less interesting to play than it could be if it had a few more surprises. Yeah, because I think that's the main thing about Red Strings that really, like, grabbed me was as much as they pitch it, you know, being about the bar and about Donovan and the Red Strings or whatever, like, most of the game does not take place there. <laughs> um, or at least the most interesting parts. Yeah, when I think even, like, like, I think if you add up the total time, like... I think you do not, I think you spend more time outside the bar, because you start the game not in the bar, um, and then, like, all of Brandace's stuff is, like, pretty much not in the bar, um, and I think that was fun, because they, I, I think that's a good, like, not a twist, but just, like, you know, kind of taking your expectations from something like a Valhalla, where it is, like, pretty stationary, um, and then have it be like, no, we're going to bounce around between these different characters. We're going to have all these different, like, areas that you can go to. Like, Donovan and the Red Strings are important, but they're also, like, canonically tied to this one place. So, we're, but that doesn't mean that they, like, don't show you what else is going on. Because I think that is kind of the hard thing with, like, Coffee Talk and Valhalla. Um, and what you were saying earlier is, like not everything comes with people to the bar or the cafe or whatever. And those games don't really offer, like, a chance to follow people beyond that. Whereas Red Strings, right. like, does, to a degree. I think there's a way to make it so that if you only see people when they literally, like, come and sit down directly in front of the camera, that that can work, really work and be good. But it is, like, a challenge to write good content that way. And um, it sounds like we maybe think that Red Strings Club did a better job not relying on that too much and to the point where it hinders kind of the characters. And Like you finish the game in the corporate headquarters where you have to do all that phone stuff. Yes. That's a long part of this game. It is. And, and it's a very active part. It's a cool thing that between the introduction where you're uh, like shaping cybernetic implants on a pottery wheel, which still might be my favorite part of the whole game. <laughs> yes. um, and which I kind of initially thought was what the game was yeah, going to be. Yeah, Don like messaged like... the chat and was like, 
this is pretty neat. And I was like, don't get used to it. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, this pottery wheel shaping mechanics, this is really cool. And you're installing them and like, there's some decisions to be made about like, do you want this corporate executive to like have the rapacious implant that they want where they no longer care about anything? Or do you want to install the empathy chip? Mm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that that's simplifying things, but it's still kind of a fun idea. Well, and the, the nice thing so about that, that too is that it like matters like, later. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a huge deal, but your choice like it does come back to be reflected. Yeah, there, you, there's that scene cool that thing. can take place on the bridge, right? Um, yeah, which is intense, but Brutal. that yeah. it it's one that happens about three quarters of the way through the game, and whatever choice you made in that initial cybernetic implant scene has a big impact on how it goes. It's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Red Strings Club, cool game. Cool stuff. Not yeah. so great with the actual pouring drinks part, though. Yeah, honestly, the bar is, like, the least <laughs> important part of Red Strings Club. <laughs> Which is a little bit unfortunate. But, yeah, the the bar shit, like, kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the mechanics of actually making the drinks are maybe my least favorite in... Valhalla, but yes. in Red Strings Club I also really didn't like the mechanic that much. And it is, it's interesting because I think Red Strings Club has the most ambition of any of these games in terms mm -hmm. of the scope of what they're trying to do and the number of different kinds of things they're trying to do. Yes. And so like in a perfect world where they had unlimited resources, would we even be thinking of this as a bartender sim like these other two games? That is an interesting question. That That's a good point. Yeah, considering what Valhalla might look like if it could have some of that Red String style uh, scenes where you're with one of the characters outside of the bar and you're actively influencing events in their life and larger events in the plot of the game. That, that would be very, very different than the than the game as it exists where, you know, large events happen, you know, big explosions in this cyberpunk city or massive idol pop concerts and things like that. Um, and, the, and they all sort of happen and you kind of read about them on your phone before you go to work. And then you go to work and these people involved show up and they're like, oh man, I'm running from this huge explosion at the bank. And you're like, cool, can I get you a beer? <laughs> you're like, why are you at a bar? <laughs> <laughs> You should be at the hospital. <laughs> there are definitely scenes directly, directly like that. Um, and and it's it's one of those things where I, I guess, you know, you take uh, what you have in a visual novel and then you're like, OK, in that kind of format, you have dialogue options. You could be active with those and answer questions and it would branch things out. And in Valhalla in particular, it's like, no, no other options but serving drinks. And most of the time, you just serve the drink that someone requests. And there's mm -hmm. a few moments where people are vague or something like that. And, and maybe there are options to serve 
a different thing or to get like a little bit of difference. The thing with that though is that it sucks worse. Like uh-huh. <laughs> when someone in Valhalla is like, I want a drink that feels nostalgic. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? What are you <laughs> saying? Like, tell me like a flavor at least. Like, come on. Right. That's when the weak writing kind of shows. Like when you can feel that a game is demanding something very specific from you, but you have no way to know what it is and you're left just making a total guess. That's something that I really feel frustrated by with game writing. Yeah. And and there's moments in Valhalla where that's done better and worse. Like there's moments where, you know, someone comes in and it's like, I'm having a really shitty day. Can you make me my favorite? And if you remember what their like favorite drink is from an earlier conversation, then it's like, oh, here. And they're like, wow, you remembered. That's so great. But those moments are really few and far between compared to that, like, I want something that tastes like the sight of the ocean. <laughs> just salt water, then. Yeah, just, right. just pour some vodka into salt water. Here you go. Enjoy. It's a worse pickleback. It's the all olive juice martini. It's the dirtiest martini. <laughs> I put a seashell in there for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just a little bit of ground seashell. Everybody loves that. Yeah, it's a nice abalone. Just... <laughs> Some mother of pearl. Spritz it up. I, I, if they had just random ingredients like that, I, I actually would have maybe had a little more appeal compared to, like, the assortment of vague chemical names, one of yeah. which might be rat poison. Right, the I names the are, we- like, so edgy. <laughs> yeah, I think the weakness of, like, particularly Red Strings and Valhalla is that, like, yeah, the drink stuff is just, like... Like, in Red Strings, it's entirely used to, like, be i mean and this goes into like two it's weird that like both of these are games that are like specifically looking to like manipulate or influence people via like alcohol um Mm -hmm. but two like in red strings it's just about donovan getting information out of people and in valhalla it's i guess it depends on the situation but like it's just yeah like it's not about having like actual interactions with people or even like giving people things that bring them comfort or whatever it is like at least in the parts that you play like it's it's implied with donovan that like he and melissa are actually friends and like have a relationship and stuff but when you play none of that is happening like donovan is just using people um Mm -hmm. and they know they're being used it's the whole like cyberpunk like we're all doing you know shady stuff for information or whatever but like, <laughs> but like, I th- I remember that scene from Blade Runner. Harrison Ford actually <laughs> says that line. Yeah. Um, In that same voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. It, it was a dead-on Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, you don't get. I think part of the reason why the coffee shop AU is so cherished, right, is because it's the idea of like having regulars and getting to build those relationships and like it just that doesn't really come through with these games they want it to 
but I don't think it does. Yeah, I think um, for me at least, coffee talk comes the closest mm -hmm. to having an organic feeling kind of relationship with those regulars. Which is interesting since it has a time loop. Right. It, well, and, and similarly, uh, also having a time loop, A Tavern for Tea does have a bit of that. Even though there's only two characters, the, um, you know, Demon King or, or whatever of the dungeon is implied to be a regular, and the hero who shows up is a first-timer. And it makes a yes. bit of a difference. The, Can the you demon imagine gets a if just like fucking Sauron like walked into your tea shop and he was just like, hey, can I grab my chamomile? Don't worry, I'm just going to chill. It's not a big deal. I need to take the edge off somewhere. Like what? <laughs> like a tower right. for tea is very cute, but like the actual real ramifications of that idea are horrifying. <laughs> right, it reminds me of... Um, in Avatar, when Zuko and his uncle open the tea shop, and like Katara just walks in to this tea shop, and it's Zuko. It's like <laughs> there would they would have a fight because that's what would happen in real life. Yeah, yeah well, you wouldn't also... be like, "Oh, this is a tea shop. It's totally chill. We're just gonna pretend that you know everything's fine while we're in this special zone of the Mystic Iro Tea Shop." You know, I actually did read a fantasy novel series where there was a, pu a pub that was exactly that. So you know what? I take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the Star Trek holodeck. Like, it's such an intentional construction, and then they can hand wave it and say, like, mm -hmm. it's enchanted so that no one can fight in here. Or, you know, the safety mm -hmm. locks are on. Yeah, I think in the in the book series, it was literally just like, no, the, like, like, all of the supernatural creatures have agreed that, like, this is a neutral space where, like, everybody can just, like, freely go get hammered. It's Switzerland with cocktails. They they have that in Constantine. They have uh, a bar, both in the in the comic book and then memorably in the movie when Keanu and Wyclef Jean get to hang <laughs> out together. Um, with Shia LaBeouf trying to get in the bar and just, nope, it's not working for him. He's, he's The beef is too young at that point. The beef. Good looking out, that bar. <laughs> yeah, like the bouncer is like, you know what? You just, you have been bounced. There's demons and angels in here. Tilda Swinton is probably having the dirtiest martini. And this scene, it just isn't for you yet. The pollution martini. <laughs> <laughs> it's called that the sight of the ocean, you guys. I would love a licensed Constantine bar game now that I've apparently willed that into being. I'm summoning... I want to watch someone drink a side of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see someone's face as they just drink nothing but like vermouth, vodka, and olive juice. Like just a lot of olive juice. Rimmed sea salt on the glass, mm -hmm. margarita style. <laughs> Oh man, it, do it does work for the for the regular part to bring it back to that. And coffee shop, does or coffee talk? Well, coffee it 
coffee shop, coffee talk, fine. Uh, <laughs> does do a little more with the regular thing, and it it is interesting with the time loop. It's also interesting with the sort of artificial writer character inside of the game who's sort of writing about everyone else's drama inside of the coffee shop in a kind of dubious way yes there's some uh symbolism that's a little heavy-handed yeah because the whole premise right is that she's like a writer and she's human around all these like fantasy creatures and then she's like writing about all these people and she's like oh but the twist is that they're all gonna be human yes right. can you imagine a crazy world where all of the conflict between these fantasy races is just conflict between humans like there's class conflict between elves and succubi but some of them get together romeo and juliet style right here at this very coffee shop where i can observe this happening and write down their conversation uh but what if instead of elves and succubi it was just human class conflict what would that be like so mysterious and edgy which is especially (laughs) rough like one because like you know there's already a lot to unpack with the whole like what if oppressed people were fantasy creatures or whatever? Um, but two, I know that like there is also like an orc character in um the game that plays on some like not great racial tropes. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, a lot to unpack there. Um, s- seems like maybe not a not not enough consideration maybe on all of those fronts. That that would be not such a great part of the official Lord of the Rings licensed bar game to go with my Constantine <laughs> licensed bar game because Lord of the Rings orcs and not great racial symbolism. Yeah, yeah that, that is also a fantasy relationship that doesn't work out particularly well. Yep. Uh, especially in Peter Jackson's movies. Yeah. That said, I would love to watch and, and drink a latte. I would also like to watch, I would like to watch it get cold, and then, like, someone has to, like, like, Gandalf, like, reheats it magically, like, 30 fucking times before the tree finishes drinking it. I just like the idea of, like, a big-ass tree with, like, a little, little latte foam on its mouth. (laughs) If you give a tree cinnamon, is that cannibalism? I think it is. Yeah, that that's that's an abomination. Because it's like tree bark, right? Uh huh. Whoa, that's that pretty is fucked up. Dark. Also, Don, I admire your cottage industry of licensed bartender sims that you're spinning off. That that's <laughs> happening. Um, the trouble this is the is... backdoor pilot of your <laughs> that's right. new show featuring different coffee shops every week. I'm going to pitch this to to Warner, which is why both uh, of those franchises are are owned by that one studio. (laughs) This is actually just a... (laughs) This is is the pitch track. Thank you. You know, those like mobile like bakery games or whatever. Don's just going to have a bunch of those, but they're going to be like licensed coffee shop games. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they'll avoid all of the pitfalls somehow of all of the games that we've been discussing. I oh, I promise. was going to say they were going to have just the worst microtransactions. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll, it'll, they'll have new pitfalls. The worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> the worst decisions I could make. Um, 
Cre yeah, credit all around all of these games made by small teams and uh, published independently for not having horrible, dark, psychological pattern manipulation things aimed squarely at their players. Uh, I guess that's something they all deserve credit for. That's true. Yeah, I think sometimes Valhalla gives you a feeling like that is happening to you, but it's not really. Which is interesting. It's just because this experience is real unpleasant. <laughs> I'm sorry. For the record, like, Valhalla is very, like, 4chan-y in a lot of ways. And yeah. it fucking sucks. Well, it, it deliberate. It, it's like a plot point. It's one of the main news sources for the I'm main characters. I'm pretty sure that one of the, at least one of the writers was, like, very publicly a 4chan person. Yeah. And and it it's also so unfortunately pervasive and and almost parasitic on every single character's dialogue um part of the roughness of the writing for valhalla to me is the dreaded same voice syndrome where yes all of these characters are different and have different things but they all kind of speak the same way they all kind of have very similar uh topics that they want to back into for no reason um and a lot of those uh strike me as der being derived from a, a case of internet poisoning um and, yeah. and of the 4chan variety in particular yeah, I mean, there's, like, I don't think I can think of a single character in Valhalla that's not just, like, deeply cynical. Honestly. Like, it's just... It's either deeply cynical or deeply centrist. That's it. That's... That is the political spectrum of Valhalla. There, yeah, is, there are both, no revolutionary politics. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's like barely, like there's not even like good politics. There's not even a politics that are like okay. It's just like it's truly just like centrist onwards, like and centrist in the yeah. bad way. Like so not centrist. I mean, it's always bad, but you know, like not centrist in the way of like <laughs> you know. I think that yeah, we could probably cut government spending a little. You know, it's not like that. It's like the cop being like, I just wish people would stop protesting so I could do my job and save people. Oh. <laughs> I hate Valhalla so much. <laughs> well, yeah, when you get into what the actual characters are like and what the conversations actually entail, it's it's pretty rotten. Um and and again, there is some ambition to the larger plot of something related to grief and, and you know, moving on towards I don't know, your better life as a corporate bartender, I guess? Question mark. Yeah, um, I don't really remember what Valhalla is, like, about. <laughs> I remember a lot of things that happen. If you were like, what is the plot of Valhalla? I could not tell you. You end up, like, meeting somebody's younger sister, or mm -hmm. sister right? And there's... I know that there's different endings. Mm-hmm. It's been several years. It's something... The The main character was dating someone 
um, and got really, really close as an intense relationship and including that person's younger sister. And then partway through the game, that younger sister shows up at the bar that you ran to after dumping said intense relationship and is like, my sister is dead from like, I don't know, nano machine rejection or probably uh, Metal Gear Solid something something. And cyberpunk disease. My my sister's dead from cyberpunk disease, and I'm so mad at you because you ran out on us. And you're like, oh my god! And you spend like the next week feeling like you're the worst person ever because you didn't apologize for a messy breakup that happened years ago. And you're the character's really torn up about this. And then I think the good ending is like you reconcile with the sister and everyone has a party and like you're like i'm gonna be your big sister anyway sister from a relationship years ago that was really intense but also i guess now you're just like saying you're staying at a friend's house but actually coming to my bar but this is a good thing so that's the good ending i feel like all of this lines up with it just being Probably people who are very young who made this game and the politics and the confusing interpersonal projection all kind of go (laughs) with just not being able to write a better story than that yet. Sure. Yeah. You know, bad politics. I'm not, I don't want to suggest that all young people have bad politics or that all (laughs) People with bad politics are going to grow out of it, I wish. But um, but these seem like, these are writing problems more than I think they're, like, philosophical problems. I, I would agree with that, yeah. It, and there are also issues with source material, um, right? If, if part of how you're thinking of writing your characters is as though... It was a few people from 4chan walking into a bar. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you, you might want that, to get other material. Crawl. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it also, like, when I say it's cynical, right? Like, I think about, I think her name is Dorothy is the mm-hmm. robot. Um, there's a, there's a sex work robot in the, which, okay, let's talk about how this game specifically in the lore, and it goes out of its way to explain this to you. Like, repeatedly like not only do they have sex bot robot workers right but they go on to explain that for some reason the robots are built as children to start and then they have to get like an, a grown-up upgrade yeah which like I, I don't know why that would make sense anyway um because that's just a stupid idea in general but also like i don't whatever but, like, so Dorothy is one of these such robots, and she has chosen to not get her grown-up upgrade because she literally, like, makes her business off of people who want to fuck kids. Which, like, you know, maybe in different hands, maybe there's something there. I'm not gonna say that, like, no one could tell that story. Um, but the people who did, did it very badly. Yeah. Uh... And part of it does go into, like, what Caroline is saying, right, of, like... I don't know how old these people were when they were writing it, but it does have the feeling of, like, people people who were in their probably, like, late teens to early... T- like, I don't know if they were young when they wrote it, but they certainly, I think, probably had 
a lot of like formative time spent in that like 4chan like internet poisoned zone um and it shows a lot yeah it's such a bad judgment call to even include a plot like that unless you're sure that it is exactly right yeah and and that's true of so many of the characters in Valhalla. I mean, Ty, the cop character you mentioned, sucks. She works for you know like the city's corporate, vi- super violent police force that's like basically in stormtrooper armor, mm-hmm. which is played off as a joke. Like, haha, she took her helmet off. Let's all try it on. Um, hmm. No symbolism there uh unintentional <laughs> perhaps um and then like later it's revealed that she's like the best of of these right it, the the rest of the police might be super cynical corporate stooges but she's a cop she's because the good one right out of a genuine desire to do good and then oh no the cops get disbanded because there's like a massacre at a bank that she has to crawl out of. And it's implied she would probably have PTSD if she didn't have like nanomachines in her brain that are regulating things. Uh, again, super unintentional, I'm sure, there. Um, and right, all of this is, is designed sort of to be like, but this character is a fun and sympathetic character that has something traumatic happen to them. That you as the bartender, as you get to know them, you know, you're supposed to care about this person and, and their friend who is a cat person and all of this stuff. And meanwhile, the rest of the surrounding text is going with a standard like, wow, cyberpunk cops would like everything about them is a terrible idea. Like we should not do cyberpunk style police work at all. It, but but this one, she is really great. She's super super <laughs> pure of heart. Yeah. yeah, it's very much like bad apples rhetoric. Uh, and it's not good. Facebook ant vibes. <laughs> <laughs> that is not one of my licensed uh, bar games. <laughs> there will be no licensed Facebook ant bar game. <laughs> <laughs> the Facebook ant bar game would have to have. Uh, confusing art on the cover like the ones that have been going around this weekend Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm interested to see because Nirvana is the sequel to that and it's coming out at some point I actually don't know when it's supposed to be out I saw it at PAX 2019 uh, PAX West 2019 Um, so I assume it's gonna be soon-ish like next couple like year or two but it'll be interesting Interesting. to see if they have like like how much and how they have changed i guess yeah i mean there's there's room for for you know the designers and and writers to have grown from valhalla um and and also you know going way back in this conversation i'd be curious about the degree to which uh, they respond to all of these other games that have sort of spun in different directions on the genre, or if they just are like, nope, we're going to not read the the other fic out there, and we're just going to do a sequel to Valhalla, and it's super straightforward. 
I mean, what I played was absolutely, like, more Valhalla. (laughs) (laughs) Mechanically, at least. So, I don't know. But again, I saw that, like, going on two years ago, so who knows? Right, I'm interested. With sequels, it's always so funny to see what mechanics they keep and what they change. And it's almost like usually whatever I want to change doesn't. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> they change something I did like before. That's just sort of like Murphy's Law, I guess. Yeah. The other thing, I guess, that kind of goes with this convo is um, the music in the games and the like jukeboxiness of them. Mm-hmm. Um. Don, this is more your talking point. Do you want to talk about this? <laughs> I I do. The the music is a central central part of all of them in the aesthetics and sometimes in what you can be allowed to do in in interaction. There's a weird thing going on in Valhalla where, um, and this is something <clears throat> I really enjoyed while I was playing it. At the start of each shift, and after your character comes back from like the mid-shift break, each time you're asked to assemble the playlist for the bar out of a, a really fairly deep selection of different synthwave and, and sometimes glitch-inspired tunes. Um, and on the one hand, I liked that that actually gave some agency to the bartender character like i can't do a lot i mostly just serve people the drinks they ask for and make banter but at least at the start of the shift i can set the the set list um on the other hand uh in coffee talk i feel like and and this goes together with the more sort of rounded um art style as well just and and the constant sort of Seattle rain setting and the attempt to establish a really cozy atmosphere, it's pretty much lo-fi beats to chill and steady to on a, <laughs> on a constant loop in the background. And you don't set the playlist, but that is the tone of the soundtrack and probably the, the clear inspiration behind it. And it's all sort of meant to be like, no, it's fine, you know, come in out of the rain... Uh, you asked for three espressos because you haven't slept because you're writing this uh, odd allegory. Uh, I served you lemon tea instead. Take a nap <laughs> in a corner. Sleep on the bar now. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Totally cool. This is a nice, safe spot. And and in both cases. There isn't a lot of narrative use of the soundtrack. It isn't that kind of cinematic thing where like different characters walk in and they get different themes because this is actually Cheers. Um, also a good licensed bar game. Uh, <laughs> Arguably the best. <laughs> Arguably the best uh, licensed bar game. Um, there's a dedicated button just to hit uh, to say Norm in the Cheers uh, bar game. And, no, you got to earn norm points. <laughs> right, you you can only you have to wait. Um it's 90 minutes in between norms. Uh in real time. Um but yeah, they they don't the soundtracks don't necessarily 
go together but it's interesting that in one it's purely atmospheric and on a loop and in the other it's something that the player is given some control over as part of like their bartenderly duties yeah yeah i i I had to take a second to like really think about that and i was like no yeah that that's that's yes just yes i would say for me as someone who the kind of music maybe isn't like my favorite thing um being told that i had to make up the playlist every time just felt more like i was slightly annoyed by it than like it was giving me agency yeah i always felt really overwhelmed by it so i just like didn't do it you can just i think there's actually an achievement if you're playing it on a platform that has those for like you just set all 20 of the same songs. You're just like, okay, click, 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 click. I'm only oh, going brilliant. to listen to Welcome to Valhalla in the background. That's pretty much what I did, yeah. <laughs> That's sort of, I, I ha- I'm conflicted always about stuff where it lets you choose your own music because I, I tend to just like whatever the game has assigned as the music for the scene that I'm in. You know what I mean? So. I like yeah, that. Also, to be like part you're of the game the developer. The Why game? do I have to pick the music? <laughs> right, right. There is that too. But I was even thinking because I've been writing about Paradise Killer, and mm. you can change the music up and do all kinds of different things. But when stuff is playing, it's so attached to like where you are or who you're talking to that it doesn't feel right to just bring it up at other times. That gives mm-hmm. me like a there's like a clash with how I feel when that happens. Yeah, like yeah, bringing I up a character's that. theme when you're not t- like talking to them. Or even yeah. like a location theme, yeah. It's yeah. I like to just let that kind of wash over me. Yeah, like again, it comes down to me. It's like, why do I have to curate this experience? This is your experience. <laughs> you curate it. <laughs> <laughs> you design the game. Well, th- that happens more in Red Strings, right? Um, depending on what setting the game takes you, and it probably helps that it has different settings. They have different whole like soundscapes, right? Um, speaking of rain sounds and things like that, you get a little bit of that in the background of the corporate office compared to the more just like you're in a basement listening to bar music when you're at the Red Strings Club. Yeah, that is true. I, yeah, I just, I I want, like, yeah, I just think that music should be more tied to, like, places and people and things, and I don't want, I don't want to customize it. I want you to customize the experience for your story. <laughs> In Stardew Valley, I believe it's with the most recent set of updates, there's a little jukebox so you can put in your house and you can have it play whatever song you want from the whole game and Mm -hmm. i really like that because it's like getting to set the soundtrack that just plays in your own space and -hmm. everything else is still normal but you get to choose if you have a favorite song or something you can have it always play inside your home which is kind of cool that is that's a cool way to balance that out i don't think i spent enough time like inside the house when i play stardew to like enjoy that but i think that's a better um version of that for sure 
Because it's like what you said about just like giving you control over like your little personal space. Right. It's like having, you know, the same song play as your alarm when you wake up every day or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. is the case. I wonder what it would be like if setting that uh, soundtrack, that playlist at the start of a shift in Valhalla actually had some kind of effect on characters. Right. Like. If that was another way you could influence mood and not only serving them alcohol, if that would make a difference, um, it would certainly actually make it more active instead of just sort of a like, oh, this is kind of a, a thing you can do, but it has no impact and it's detached. But like you play like really moody music, like you're like, okay, this bar is officially a Depeche Mode bar. That's all we do here. <laughs> and people come in and like, if it's like gothy characters, they're like, I'm going to stay in this bar. This is great. And so, like, you know, the, like, robot equivalent of a J-pop idol, the game's Hatsune Miku comes in and she's like, what? She's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, I don't know if this is the, was this the vibe playing last time I was in this bar? I thought it was Spice Girls. That's so interesting, too, because as people get drunker, they're going to be more affected by the music, not less. Yeah. If, if if there was like more of a DJ component to these bar games or you could like alternate between those or something like that, that could That's be smart. a fun way to have interactions between them. This is a Depeche Mode bar. That's really the <laughs> takeaway from this conversation. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> this, well, it is. It's official now. This is a Depeche Mode bar. <laughs> There's actually the there's a the bar. <laughs> there's a new podcast about mental health that is called Depression Mode, which is like my <laughs> favorite thing. That That's is a such a good, good name for a podcast. Ironically, it cured my depression, so I don't know. No, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it worked too well. <laughs> they played themselves. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. I would like if people played all these games and had opinions about them. Yeah, really I will say particularly Red Strings, because I think that one flew under a lot of people's radar. Yeah, that's definitely the one that I liked the most. Me too. Same here. I think, Don, your music comment pointed out that Coffee Talk is kind of like, I think its goal is to be really kind of cozy and chill, just in tone the whole way through. And that makes it so that it's a little bit maybe sleepy, which is cool Mm. if that's the mood you're in. But like Red Strings Club, I felt like was more challenging with the material. And I felt like it was actually delivering better emotional beats in the story and stuff like that. Yeah, it definitely seemed like more of an adventure. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I would say Coffee Talk is not an adventure <laughs> right it's just like a it's just rainy an ex- afternoon. it's just a time yeah just a vibe and it's set yeah it's set up that way and and there is a cool thing like caroline mentioned where there's a time loop element to it um there there's kind of uh with the with the writer there's a bit of a red herring about the textuality of it and who is telling the story and what kind of character the bartender is in particular. 
it's probably the the game with the most mysterious bartender with the exception of a tavern for tea which gives the bartender even less uh time but there's very little time in that game uh for that but compared to red strings where and and valhalla where the bartenders are named characters and you know establish these relationships with coworkers and friends and uh evil corporate types of of all stripes um Part of Coffee Talk is kind of discovering what's up with this coffee shop owner who doesn't care about money and just kind of wants to serve people drinks in fictional, vaguely shadow-runny Seattle. Yes, it is a lot of fun. I'd still recommend it, but I, I did prefer Red Strings. Yeah, I think we've all come out firmly on the side of recommending everything except maybe Valhalla, unless you're... <laughs> Having a lot of grains of salt with it. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have your taste of the sea dirty martini with you <laughs> when you're playing Valhalla, you might want to think about making one. Yes, put on your 4chan repellent first. Oof. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any advice. Don't play it. <laughs> that counts. That's yeah. my advice. Is just simply don't. Your time is valuable. You can pick and choose which of these uh, real coffee bartender barista tea master games you want to play, or you can imagine your own fictitious bar games um, with friends. Is tea master really what we call that person? Because that's cool. Yeah, tea master is a, a thing, right? I don't know. We're all American. <laughs> we don't know shit about tea culture. <laughs> Very aspirational game, Tavern for Tea. What if there are places that focused on tea instead of coffee? Americans everywhere go, um... Did you well, get clearly, coffee there? Well, clearly that's a fantasy setting. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's going to wrap it up this time for our very special uh, food and beverage. Well, less food, more beverage themed. Uh, Palin around. Caroline, where can people find you? Well, I am everywhere at uh, Editoriate. If you've seen me around, you'll know that that's what it is. <laughs> Do your best with the spelling. Um, or you can find me every day at Popular Mechanics. Nice. And how about you, Don? You can find me everywhere at uh, Optional Objectives or on Twitter at Op Objectives because apparently that was too long or uh, at GamersWithGlasses.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Awothkeeper. Uh, Palin Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at UppercutCrit and UppercutCrit.com. If you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you just can't get enough, head on over to patreon.com slash uppercutcrit and toss a couple bucks our way to get it early or even get your name read at the end. Just like these folks here. Alex Belling, Katie Murr, Brian Hutchings, Cody Peters, Garrett Rose, Darren... Ashley Lee, Hannah Kim, Jordan Malcolm Ramey, Dale, Adam Manahan, Chris Egerton, Jesse Vitelli, Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Adept7777, 
Optional objectives, Michael Diaz Suarez, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyons, Eli Berg-Moss, Jason Coles, Adrian A. Rock-Williams, Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Jesse Peterson, Jared Shu, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quentin Hoffman, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you all so much for your generosity, and thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye! Bye!